This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, France is in a bad way. One headline described France as being on fire. The reason for this is the shooting to death of a 17-year-old boy of Algerian and Moroccan origin. He was stopped by a motorcycle police man in the Paris suburb of Nanterre on the 27th of June, which is, I think, last Tuesday, one of the policemen is under investigation for what's called voluntary manslaughter. He fired at close range into a car. Nahal was driving. Nahal is uh, 17, and you can't drive at that age. He killed the boy with a bullet to the chest. A video of the incident spread quickly on social media, and it has sparked five nights of violence, and um, not only in the major cities, Paris and Marseille, but across the country. And it's a great pleasure now to welcome one of the best journalists uh, of our time. Lara Marlow is a Paris-based journalist and author and has seen her share of the horrors of the world in the Lebanon and other places. Lara, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Eamon. You said to me before we began recording about the viral video, which everyone seems to have seen about this, and it looks like a murderous and stupid act by a policeman, because although the boy was delinquent in the sense of driving underage and appearing to try and get away, although that's not clear, the punishment shouldn't be death. Uh, no. And you said, you talked to me about what his mother said. 
Uh, this was on Thursday. She had called for a silent march uh, in memory of her son. And there were over 6,000 people who marched in Nanterre, his hometown. And she said at one point, this is for all the people who didn't have cameras. And what she meant by that was that there were 13 people shot dead by police in France last year for refusing to stop for police uh, controls yes. or, you know, identity checks. There have been three of them killed this year already, including Nahel. And it's only because this was filmed by a passerby with a smartphone that we saw this this reaction and, and six nights of rioting. Um, it was very similar to the George Floyd case in, yes. in the U.S. Uh, you remember in, in 2020, yes. I think it was May 2020 in Minneapolis, where a policeman sat on George Floyd and, and he suffocated to death. And uh, that started protests and riots um, throughout the summer in the U.S. And that comparison is made very often here. In fact, uh, one of the, the critics of the police, uh, the green politician, Marine Tondelier, talked about the Americanization of the French police, um, yes. this, this being sort of trigger happy and, and just, uh, wantonly killing, uh, suspects or anyone they want to apprehend. Yeah, and the depth of the crisis now facing Emmanuel Macron, the president, is that he cut short his visit to the EU summit in Brussels on Friday, but more spectacularly, he cancelled a state visit to Germany, which mm -hmm. would be one of the most important visits he would make given the relationship between France and Germany. Due to start today, he has not gone. The other thing you mentioned, troops on the street, there were 40 thousand on some of the nights, 45,000 on Saturday, 45,000 last night. And I think about 3,000 people have been detained mm -hmm. um, because, as you say, and it's a very good comparison, where the George Floyd thing crystallized for many people the nature of racial mm -hmm. racial uh, discrimination is too mild. The, the, the racist nature of yes. the police force and the racist nature also, it seems, of the French police in their dealing, as you say, with many, many cases. And that raises a question, doesn't it? Because the whole question of immigration is a big question in Europe and presumably a big question too in France. And a part of it is the ghettoization, isn't it? There are ghettos. There are mm -hmm. places where people who have come to the country are living in bad conditions without access to education, and there is simmering racism on both sides, if you like, but it is most evident in the behavior of the police. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's not me who's saying that the French police are racist. It's the United Nations Human Rights Commissioner whose office issued a statement on Friday saying that there was, uh, deep, that France must deal, uh, with deep, uh, racial, uh, discrimination and, and, and bias in the police force. And all of the studies show that more than half of French police vote for extreme right-wing parties. Uh, and the extreme right-wing parties, politicians, and the police have made numerous statements during the riots about savages, barbarians, uh, vermin. These are the kind of words they describe to 
they use to describe immigrant youths. Um, there's a, a far-right politician called John Messiha who has set up a collection fund for the family of the policeman who fired the fatal shot who yes. that killed Naho. Um, and that has collected more than 800,000 euro. And a lot of people are really outraged at, at this. He said, uh, Messiha said that, um, the policeman who, whose name is Floyd and we don't know his, his family name, um, that he was just a good, uh, a, a good policeman doing his job. Um, so that, that tells you a little bit about the, the, the schism in, in French society, the utter polarization of it. Um, and, and, you know, on the far left, we, we hear very ugly words about the police as well. It must be said. Yes. And there's some suggestion, uh, it seems only a detail, but I think it might be a significant one that this was an automatic car and that when the police had him, his foot slipped off the, relevant pedal and the car kind of forwarded itself but it wasn't threatening to anybody else now Emmanuel Macron's response at first was to call on parents to exercise responsibility Uh. now as you point out in a really excellent piece there was a law passed in the wake of the 2005 riots which allows the government to dock welfare payments of negligent parents. That seems rather clumsy and discriminatory. Uh, I think it's very spotily enforced. Uh, The justice minister I heard on Saturday uh, reminding people of this fact and saying that negligent parents could get up to two years in prison and seven, no, sorry, it was over 30,000 euro in fines uh, if they, and, and, you know, saying you have to keep your kids at home, uh, especially when there's writing going on and, and, and so on. Uh, the, the problem is that, um, a lot of these families are single parent. You know, Nahal yes. was, was being raised by his mother alone, didn't know his father. Uh, and the fathers tend to be very absent in the immigrant banlieue. Yes. And, uh, these, these single mothers, very often um, are unemployed or they might be working at night, say, as caregivers in hospitals. I mean, I've been in French hospitals and almost all of the night personnel are Arab and African immigrants um, because French people don't want to do that. So it, it's not clear that the mothers actually have the ability to, um, you know, just uh, take charge of, of, of their children in that way. Um, but, you know, there, there, there is a problem on both sides. And yes. I, I think when these people have been segregated for so long um, and the parents are not educated, the parents, how you're, you're expecting parents who've not benefited from a good education to give a good education to their own children. And it's, it's a, you know, where do you break into this cycle? At some point, you need special programs for, for young people from these immigrant banlieues. I have a neighbor in, in Paris who is a retired, um, education ministry official, and she volunteers to go into the suburbs and give lessons to these young people about how to dress, about how to speak. I mean, in France, if you don't say bonjour, monsieur, bonjour, madame, every time you walk into a shop or a restaurant, you're immediately pegged as a, as a sort of rude outsider yes. person. There's also 
an accent from the banlieue. I can tell on the radio when I hear someone talking uh, what their origin is, um, as you would expect. And, and if you have that kind of accent, if your name is Mohammed or Mustafa, you're not going to get a job interview. You, nobody's going to rent you an apartment. And you're basically in prison. You're in a big open-air prison in the banlieue. And if you try to venture into the city, you get stopped by police. You get harassed. Uh, and you probably will get stopped by police and harassed in your banlieue as well. Yes, and that is, uh, as we know, very, uh, and as you've uh, re referenced, very American. Um, Nahal's grandmother spoke on Saturday after uh, three nights of uh, desperate stuff on the streets. 3,380 arson attacks, 2,000 cars were torched, and 492 buildings damaged. And they were very sad scenes of people who'd had their businesses destroyed, small businesses, admittedly. But there's also another irony here, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Macron's wife, Brigitte, is it? Mm -hmm. She was a teacher. That's why they met, when she was teaching yeah, him. She, she she taught the value of education should be known to her. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, definitely, they, they recognize the value of education, but in private Catholic schools, which is where she taught in... Yes. Uh, uh, La Providence in Amiens, that's how she met Macron. She was his teacher. And then she, she taught at another sort of exclusive private Catholic lycée in the 16th arrondissement, which was one of the most expensive neighborhoods of Paris. So I'm not sure they really have a grasp of, <laughs> of what education is like in the banlieue. Now, in 2005, by comparison to what we've seen so far, 10,000 cars were torched in three weeks of rioting. It seems last night there was a degree of relief in terms of arson and indeed arrests and other metrics, if you like, of mm -hmm. this kind of trouble. But there were 45,000 troops on the streets. That seems an extraordinary number, particularly yes. given your description and the testimony of other people about the nature of the police. Yes, I mean, going back to the numbers, Eamon, um, there were still 157 arrests last night. That's not nothing. I mean, that's yes. way down from the 719 on Saturday night and 1,311 arrests on Friday night. Uh, there were still three police and, and gendarmes injured last night. There were 352 fires, 500, uh, sorry, 331 cars and buildings were torched. Uh, and there was an, there were frontal attacks on a police station and a gendarmerie barracks. So it's not completely finished, but it is sort of petering out. But if you look at the statistics over the week, over the six nights of rioting, as you said, more than 3,000 people arrested, uh, more than 700 shops have been looted, and for some of them may never reopen, although the government is, is offering help. Um, 10,000 rubbish bins burned, 1,000 buildings burned, uh, 5,000, more than 5,000 cars burned. And that, that's always been the metric they use to, um, to measure. Uh, 250 attacks on commissariats and gendarmerie barracks. Uh, yes, and, and as you say, the, the security forces, 
45,000 police and gendarmes, that's a lot. And, and they've mobilized the most elite units, the, the GIGN, which was, um, used against the, the jihadists who once took the, took control of the holy places in Mecca. The, the French sent them on a plane, and this was decades ago, but, uh, they're known, they're sort of, you know, as the, the commandos, if you like. So they've been sending in these commando units, uh, raid the JGN, and uh, they're using helicopters, armored vehicles. It's quite stunning to see footage of armored vehicles rolling down the streets in Lyon and Marseille. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like a war zone. It really is like a war zone. And every morning we see footage of, you know, burning vehicles and buildings and shattered glass. And uh, you also see the videos of, of youths wearing hoodies, um, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails and, and so on and so forth. In a way, it's amazing that more people have not been killed. Uh, there was one man killed in Cayenne, hit by a, what the police described as a stray bullet. They claimed it was fired by rioters, but we don't know. There was a, a gendarme in Nîmes who took a nine millimeter bullet, uh, to his flag jacket. And it was only because he was wearing a bullet, bulletproof vest that he was not killed. Um, so, but there have been huge numbers of people injured, of course. And yes. uh, another interesting thing to me is that the rioters are using firecrackers as weapons, Roman candles. And they they just shower them on police and, and gendarmes to halt their advance in these suburbs. And it, it does slow them down quite a bit. And they're not really lethal weapons, but they can injure you. They, they can cause burns. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course. And I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So it was also a, the case of a mayor of a district of Paris, Vincent Jambon. His house was attacked. His car was burned. A burning car was pushed or driven uh, or pushed into his home and his wife had a, a broken leg. He wasn't at home, but his wife was at home with their children. So uh, this is serious stuff and targeted. Yes, I think that was kind of a turning point in the riots. Uh, there was huge outrage and, and horror at this. I mean, uh, Vincent Jeanbrun said himself that a, a new line has been Past in in horror, um, they 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 launched this burning car against the gate of his home, uh, presumably trying to to burn down his house. Yes, and his the children are only aged five and seven. They were asleep with their mother one thirty in the morning. Um, the the mayor was in his town hall trying to protect it because they'd been burning down town halls, and he surrounded it with barbed wire. And so the wife and the children ran out the back of the house and hid in the garden. And um, you can imagine the trauma to, to yes, these small children. This is the sort of thing that, you know, that happened in Bucha. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm not comparing the rioters to the, to the Russian soldiers in Bucha, but that thing, I, I remember interviewing a woman who, who cared for a girl who was raped and she and her parents had hidden the garden and I couldn't help thinking of that. Um, so it, it, it is creating a lot of trauma for, uh, for people who've, who've witnessed this violence. Yes, of course, and you have been in Ukraine uh, recently and many other places. I've been going to France, to Normandy for 33, 34 years now, Lara, and I love that part of France and hope to go again this year. But one of the things that I found or that I felt and heard from friends or acquaintances made me think that racism was more extreme in France. A kind of racism that is very much a minority here and even stronger in some ways than English racism. Now we all know racism is a curse. It's worse than that. Is it the case? And you know, it's your home and, and has been for a long time. Is it the case that there is a kind of virulent racism which may go back to their colonial past or whatever? But I mm. noticed it also, there was the great French soccer team that won the World Cup in 98, I think, and then won the European Championships. Didier Deschamps, who's the current uh, French coach, was the captain of that team. Mm -hmm. But I noticed uh, even then they hoped when they won the World Cup, because there was a mixed-race team, mm -hmm. that this would have a very good effect, a healing effect on the racism that divided France. It didn't happen ever. Lillian Turam was one of the great intellectuals in the team, one of their great players as well, and he was a spokesman for that. It never happened. Uh, no, or it happened for a very short period of time. They, yes. they called that team the, the Black Blanc Beurre, uh, yes. Black 
white and Arab, uh, like that's a play on words for blue, blanc, rouge, of course. Um, no, it, it didn't last. Um, although, you know, there's sort of an exception for film and sports stars. Um, Kylian, the- Kylian Mbappe uh, exactly. is a classic example. He is black. He, I think his um, mother's Arab. Actually, he's half black and half Arab. And yeah, very, very handsome guy. Very yeah, engaging. A great, great footballer. Yes, yes, <laughs> re- really charismatic. And he made a statement. I think it was on Saturday night, asking young people. He said, "A lot of us on the French national football team are from poor, deprived neighborhoods, like you are, and so and we understand your anger." But please stop this violence. It, it accomplishes nothing, and, and so on. And I think that made that, along with the plea from Nadia, uh, Nahal's grandmother, I think that was a factor in calming things down. Yes. Um, but initially, actually, uh, Mbappe had done made a tweet saying, you know, deploring the, the killing of, of Nahal. And so did Omar Sy, who's a, a very popular French movie star, who's a uh, Black African, um, he also criticized the, the police killing. So these, these few Arabs and Africans who have succeeded in France are, are kind of in a difficult position. They, they, are, they always show solidarity with the people in the banlieue. And at the same time, when it, when it turns very violent, then they have to condemn it. And, and that's what happened in this case. I don't know if the French are more racist than other countries, Eamon. I mean, there, I think that for every rabid racist, yes. um, there's probably a good French person there. Also, a lot of the left in France is very anti-racist and very much sympathetic towards Muslims and Arabs and blacks to the yes. point that they're accused of of being soft on, on jihadists, for example, during the, the, those attacks in recent years. Yes. Um, I think the Algerian war has a huge amount to do with it. I mean, that, that war went on for eight years from 1954 to 1962. And yes. okay, that, that generation is, is mostly gone now, but it was, it had a profound effect. It was one of those events like, say, you know, the Dreyfus case or the world yes. wars that really left a very deep, um, it was savage, wasn't it? France. It was savage and it was really savage. And then both sides were torturing and murdering and massacring on, on, on a big scale. And, and the French, I've, I've known old French people who still insist that Algeria was, was part of France. It was a French ambassador said to me once, it was the flesh of France. But if it was the flesh of France, why did they, they refuse to give the right to vote to Muslim citizens yes. of Algeria? Uh, and, and this wound goes way, way back. I, I, I felt during the riots that um, France just never seems to digest its own history. They also have a very rebellious streak. It's it's a very French thing to rebel, to revolt, yes. and and to turn to political violence. I mean, you remember you you talked about Macron um, canceling his visit to Germany. Uh, it was it's only two months, a little over two months, since King Charles had to cancel his state visit to Paris because of riots over the pension reform. Okay. And that was not about racism, but there was still the same knee jerk reaction of go into the streets, build barricades, set fires. So when you combine uh, this history of, of terrible race relations going back at least to the Algerian war with this propensity for political violence, um, it's a very, very explosive mixture. It is indeed. And just to go back to football for a moment, Zinedine Zidane, 
who was a great, great player in that team and one of the greatest players we've ever seen in, in soccer, he'd be right up there with Kylian Mbappe and Kylian Mbappe, I'm sure, is a hero. He is, of course, he was, of course, Algerian. He never uttered a word about politics at all, but mm. uh, he was a great sporting icon and remains in France a great sporting icon and uh, he may well end up managing the French team. Not that you need to know about that. I want to ask you about the politics of this. People are saying Marine Le Pen is lurking there and the next French presidential election I think is 2027. Yes. And uh, people are suggesting that post the Macron presidency, uh, she might become a choice. Now, I'm sure, as you know, all over Europe we're seeing it. I mean, in places mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect, Sweden, mm-hmm. uh, Hungary, we know about uh, Poland, uh, Finland. Italy. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, in, there's a far-right party yes. in the Finnish coalition government. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is ex- There's an extraordinary wave. And, of course, the Italian prime minister is, is previously an admirer of uh, Vladimir Putin, although she's kept the lid on that for a moment. So we are facing... And of Mussolini. Mussolini. uh, Yeah, indeed. Yeah, an inspiration. Now, do you sense where you are in the center of Europe or in, you know, on the European continent, this wave, do you sense it first? And second question would be, is it fundamentally to do with immigration? Uh, yes and yes, probably. Um, yeah. I, I, they say that Macron's greatest fear is that he will be s- s- succeeded by Marine Le Pen. Yes. Uh, and What's your view probably, on that, in the, on the probability or possibility of that? Um, or are we too far I, out to say? It's, these are early days, and yes. then, but yes. the fact is there's no plausible replacement for Macron. He can't stand for a third term. And there's really no charismatic, intelligent, competent, impressive, you know, person on, on, in the center right, which is where I would classify Macron now or center left for, for that matter. Uh, and the, the country's very polarized now between far left and far right with more people voting far right. And, um, Marine Le Pen is, is playing a very uh, clever game. She's trying to be respectable. She's been pretty quiet during the riots because I think she knows that it benefits her politically and she doesn't want to offend people and, and cause outrage and so on. Um, Eric Zemmour, who, who tried to take over the far right from her, has been far more daring and outrageous. And he was the first to blame the parents uh, yes. and, and said, you know, the police were doing their job and that, that Nahel, you know, got what he was coming to him, basically. Oh um, yeah, it's yeah. surprising, therefore, that Macron also seemed to point at the parents, mm. given that Zamor yeah. had uh, had sort of uh, pointed in that direction, uh, I'm afraid this is well. this is classic Macron. Remember, yes. his slogan is "En même temps" at the same time. Yes. So he wants to be kind to the family at the same time that he's kind to the police, and and this this idea that it's all the fault of the parents is one we hear over and over and over from the right and far right. And and yes, Macron said that, and you know maybe there's an element of of truth in it. You know, um, 
but it it seems very um unfair and 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 just you know this blanket kind of statement that people aren't people need to discipline their children um i think it was the, the justice minister said you know it's not the state's job to raise children uh but in in france you know yeah everyone looks to the state to do everything um like they they're already looking to the state to pay for all the damage that's been done by the rioters. Yes. Um you have to words are are, are dangerous weapons and I, I think that by blaming the, the the poor unfortunate parents I I wouldn't want to have to raise a child in the banlieue I can tell you I think it's it's an immense challenge and it's you, well, you it's hard enough s- anywhere sure, uh, to get sure. them to go home from a nightclub uh, where they're having fun, never mind uh, yeah. stop them going out. Uh, and the one thing struck me watching the, now it's, it's only an impression, watching the television coverage, an awful lot of what you looked like, young, educated, middle-class kids were on the streets. Now, whether they were just spect- spectators, I, get, I suspect they were, but they were mm-hmm. there, and one or two were inter- interviewed, expressed sympathy with mm-hmm. the victim of this and, indeed, with the life in the banlieue, in the, in the ghettos. I, I suspect that was in the, the march on Thursday afternoon, the, those yes. young middle-class looking people. Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, you're right. And, and I think that the revulsion at this brutal killing by the policeman yes. of this 17 year old boy, I think the revulsion was very widespread. And, and even, even among, um, affluent people, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised at that. I think that the, at some point, there was a feeling that the riots were over the top, that it was too much. Um, the government spokesman, Olivier Véran, said that there is no political message. When you loot a footlocker, a Lacoste, yes. or a Sephora store, there is no political message. It's looting. Yes. Uh, and I, I think, you know, even Niall's grandmother accused the rioters of using the death of her grandson as a pretext Yes. Uh, so I, I think that that there was pretty much a consensus on on that at some point. That I mean, <laughs> a friend of mine saw kids, seven, eight year olds, you know, participating in the looting of a, of a supermarket north of Paris. Um, uh, the Le Monde correspondent in the banlieue, who's, who spent months and months and months living in in this, I think in Aubervilliers, um, talked about how. They, the, the, the riders would break into a supermarket and then there would just be this complete traffic jam of cars coming to participate <laughs> in the, it's in the not looting. Funny. Yeah. yeah. No, it isn't funny, but it's, I guess, inevitable. Just to point out, Lara, and thank you very much, just before you go, that France is scheduled to host the Rugby World Cup at nine venues in September and, in, mm-hmm. and October. That's a massive event. And of course, the Summer Olympic Games uh, in July, August 2024. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity. But as you say, and I think rightly, that policeman who committed what was an obvious crime deserves to be the central figure in much of this when it comes to reflection. Um, Lara Marlowe in Paris. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Lara Marlowe is an author and journalist and a contributor to the Irish Times. We're grateful to Lara, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.